When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone and welcome back to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach, and I am joined as always by my friend and colleague from Stadium, Michael Felder. To break down all the biggest storylines in the sport in an hour or less, as a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Andy Staples and Show and Friends on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Five stars, because much like Ari Wasserman's favorite recruits, well, they're, they're just the best, and they want to make the immediate impact. And, you know, we're, we're here now four full weeks into the season, Felder, um, we have seen some of the immediate impact of some of the five-star recruits, um, but mostly it's just it, it's getting really interesting. And and you know we talked about this a little bit last week of this idea of nobody's good or there's so much parity. But to me, this has made it a really interesting start to the season. I feel like um, you know for those of us who do watch this sport through a playoff lens in a lot of ways, um, it's just been more interesting, more teams to talk about because it's just totally wide open. So that's interesting because for me, it's less teams to talk about, which I appreciate um, from a playoff perspective through the playoff lens. Like for me, I have like a board, like a physical board that I write down actual contenders. And then anytime I get to cross on off, that's a radio segment. That's a, that's <laughs> that's a, a moment in radio segments where I don't have to answer that question or they don't, they're not even going to ask it. OK, but at some point you're going to be less than four teams if you're doing that right now. No, no, no. We're, it's never been that. It's never been the less of four teams. It's always around five, but it goes from the 10 or the 11 or whatever, including your dark horses. Bye-bye, UNC. Nobody's <laughs> nobody. Week one, they got crossed off the board. Didn't have to talk about them. Iowa State crossed off the board after the loss to Iowa. We don't have to talk about them anymore. So Clemson, two losses. We don't have to talk about them anymore. So you narrow the pile. a and is going to be an interesting one, obviously, because of the loss to Arkansas, but also what's gonna, what do they look like? Because they still have to play Alabama. So, yeah, no, I just – that's the way that I look at it because it leaves room for more robust conversation about teams doing interesting things. I think that's – I think we're on the same page then because that's ultimately what I'm saying. Like, we don't have to dedicate X amount of time thinking about Clemson, Oklahoma, yeah. and and Ohio State. And that's – first of all, it's it's kind of – interesting that all of these teams have mm-hmm. are going through it right now at the same sure. time and they're doing it in different ways obviously there's different flaws for those different programs but for all of them to have been you know playoff mainstays and and to be coming back to earth that that's what opens it up is like it's not just you know oh maybe we'll have a two loss champ or whatever everyone's got flaws this year it's like there's going to be multiple spots for grabs possibly because sure. well, let's 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 sit in the Big Ten because you mentioned Ohio State. They have the one loss to Oregon. And I think in the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten right now is probably the most interesting conference. So let's sit in the Big Ten for a minute, because obviously I, I'm looking at the doc, but you have is Michigan State for real because they're an undefeated team. I think that Michigan State has the element of explosion that they have lacked in recent years. And I think that makes them a little bit more dangerous, but they still are limited in what yes. they can do offensively. And I don't think this de- – I, they, I certainly don't think this is the best defense that they've trotted out in a while, but the team is – they still keep getting the job done. This makes me excited about what this program is going to look like when Mel Tucker gets his guys in. Like, these are these are impact transfers, making like taking them to the next level. And, yeah. you know, he's building this in an SEC – mode right and and recruiting and strength conditioning nutrition all that stuff like they're going to be a problem um so i i love that i think we're seeing toughness we're seeing you know all this different stuff but you're you're right this this will not be the best team but but i but i love that they're relevant i i was saying this to our producer john before the show 
when the Michigan schools are in the mix, it, it makes the Big Ten a lot more interesting. And I'm not just saying that, well, maybe I am because I went to one of them, but it's Like the the fact that Ohio State has kind of, you know, cracked open the door and you have the Michigan schools and Penn State and Rutgers and Maryland aren't aren't pushovers like it it just creates such an interesting dynamic in that division, in that league um, that that I don't think we've seen. Like, I I think part of what was tough about the the Michigan Rutgers game, you can tell me if you read this differently, but I mean, I, I think Rutgers is 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 a lot improved. I think the defense is is better than people realize. I think this narrative of, oh my God, Michigan is, you know, kind of blowing the second half to to Rutgers was unfair because Rutgers is better than they've been and they have some playmakers. Um, you know, Noah Vedrill's been been pretty good for them. The defense is better. I, I don't think that it would I mean I think we can talk about being alarmed that Michigan suddenly couldn't move the ball. That's different. But like it, there was just this like haha it's Rutgers that I think is unfair with the current iteration of the team because I think that they're gonna end up making a bowl game. Rutgers is be- is better. They are much better. But I do remember and correct me if I'm wrong. A week ago, you did say that Michigan was gonna continue to move the ball and their offense was gonna be okay. Better okay, yes, <laughs> they did for a half. Okay, they did for a half. Right. But no, I said adjust- in ge- Rutgers adjusted. In general, then- I have some faith that they can do that. That faith, okay, well, the faith was me, tested. The faith was tested. Well, let me. The, I this is. And you, I listen. I I like to look at. I like to look at numbers, but I like to look at how you arrive at those numbers. So I've watched this game a couple times, and the big thing for me, one, no completions past the third quarter. No attempts in the fourth quarter. Essentially, um, we've lo- we're looking at pass completions from a Michigan standpoint of uh, 51, 23, 38, 24. That's that was a hundred and I think thirty six of the hundred and sixty three total passing yards, and those had forty seven air yards. So we're talking about run after catch. And then I wanted to look and see how that gets made. Oh, how did it get made? Missed tackles by Rutgers. And Rutgers is playing some man. They played some zone, but in a man in a, their man in their man situation, you got a linebacker that over pursued to the to over over moved to the left, and that's how you get the fifty one yard. Completion that puts Michigan in scoring in scoring position. I, I think close to the end of the second quarter. So, to me, I look at it as they still have the problem that I mentioned. They cannot push the ball down the field. They don't. They won't. They can't. And if you're not going to do it against Rutgers in man coverage, Rutgers in tight zone coverage, they had 11 guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. That's disrespect. That's complete disrespect. And that's that's we don't care. You can't throw the ball. Past us, you won't th- you won't throw it past I, us. That's the the won't piece is the interesting part. The not trying right. is the exactly is the interesting part. Like not to just totally change gears, but that's what's been confusing me about Minnesota is Tanner Morgan only attempted thirteen passes in the game against Bowling Green. He only completed yeah. five, and then completed two to the other team. But yeah, Minnesota isn't even trying. Like they're not trusting their passing game. And this is someone who was one of the most efficient and best passers in the country two years ago. So, like, yeah. a lot of – sometimes, you know, when you look at different things, like Michigan's ranked, like, 116th in the country in passing mm-hmm. offense. It's about, like, Looking they're not – very LSU. They're Looking not trying. Very... Like, this is and, – and this is – like, the, the stats are interesting because it's, like, there's just very few people doing it worse or not trying more. Yeah. And – it's it so that's the piece that is confusing because it's, it's got to be it's about like trusting your quarterback and strategy and mm-hmm. all these things that they mm-hmm. that they're just not doing right now. Which it's, it looks like it looks like LSU 2015. That's what it looks like. They're, they're what six? They're fifth or sixth in rushing. LSU is fifth. I think seventh yep. or sixth. In, right. So they're fifth in rushing. LSU is seventh in rushing and a hundred and sixth in passing. Like this is it's the. Right, and they went nine and three. And what do we talk about? I mentioned that there are four games that, for me, I think that Michigan is going to have a problem. In. One is coming up this weekend with Wisconsin. Then we have Michigan State. We have then we have um, Penn State, and we have Ohio State. That LSU team went nine and three. Um, this I'm looking at Michigan probably going to look at the, looking at the same thing. So, you, so you, you still you still think Wisconsin could be a problem for them, even despite what that, we've seen from Wisconsin. Yeah, a team that plays really good, aggressive, tight zone coverage, and like they do not, they they're gonna be, they're very similar. Wisconsin is very similar to Arkansas. They play more three deep than than two deep, but they are a team that 
they're not going to let you run the football. They're not, and they're going to dare you to throw the ball over their heads. And Michigan has shown that they're not particularly willing to try that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, and, and Wisconsin's defense you, is playing so well enough you, to win these games. So yeah, what do you so like? What what do you like? The problem for Wisconsin is Graham Mertz threw four interceptions to Notre Dame. Right. No, have you looked at Notre Dame's the actual game for them? They sucked. Yes. They sucked. <laughs> like. This was they shouldn't come away from this game puffing their chest out like look at us we scored 40 something points. They should come out of this game like oh my god, thank god he gave us the football. And a couple of those a couple of the like two of the interceptions were forced interceptions. The slant was amazing. It was beautiful football. Something that I just love to see. But Grimmers made some very bad plays. And Notre Dame's defense played well, but the reality of it is is they put that number on the board, and it's not. I don't think it's a reflection of Wisconsin's defense at all. I think it's a reflection no, of no, Wisconsin's no. offense. No, and I'm not saying that. And actually, almost half of the points that Wisconsin's defense have given up this season is because of turnovers and because of their offense. Um, right. Short porch. Yes. So that's not, and that's not their fault. This defense has played well enough to win all the games that they've played. Um, so, so you're you're a Big Ten Network. Yep. You're, what is it? Every Monday. Yep. Okay. So. What is the what you're in the heart and soul of the whole deal? What what's what do people think about what happened in Wisconsin? What do people think about what happened with Michigan? Like, do you tell me what are people that are like intimately like involved and invested in the conference feel like? Well, people are quite disappointed with Wisconsin. I think like they're one of the most disappointing teams in the country. You could I, I think the conversation is probably between them and North Carolina. Um, I mean, we can talk about the playoff type teams, but I think it's a different level. The Graham Mertz thing is 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 an issue. I mean, he is clearly not the answer at quarterback, and he came in as the highest touted recruit that they'd ever gotten at quarterback. And the the problem right there now, and this is where you know I'm concerned moving forward offensively, is they continue to make the same mistakes. They're not they're they're not doing anything different, despite the fact that Graham Mertz is you know making bad decisions and that they can't really move the ball, um, you know, and, and the offensive line isn't going to magically get better. And, you know, the, again, like you said, Notre Dame isn't great. And, you know, what they were able to do, they didn't even have to, they, uh, you know, we were talking about this yesterday with Howard Griffith on the show, and he was talking about, like, Notre Dame using an extra linebacker and kind of like a different defensive formation that they didn't think that they were going to be – uh, able to use as long as they did in the game, basically. They thought yeah. Wisconsin would adjust. Right. And because they didn't they have, have to. Extra, when they have an extra linebacker in the game, you're supposed to take out a running back or a tight end and put in another wide receiver to make that guy go out of the game. Well, but then if you can't throw the ball to those guys or anyone, effectively, yeah. it doesn't work. So, so basically, it's just like I am with you on Wisconsin's defense – I just don't know what they do to fix the offense and fix Mertz. And they don't have a ready backup quarterback who can come in. Yep. So they're stuck. Like, Graham Mertz is going to be right. their guy. I, I think that, and this is, like, this is something I think a lot of, about a lot, like, with, with players, especially highly touted players. I think Graham Mertz is too good. Um, and... And by that, I mean too talented, not too, like, good, like, understanding everything that's happening. I think he's too talented. Um, the Like, former past, you know, whatever you want to call it, Wisconsin quarterbacks, they understood their role, and they didn't think they could just do it. They didn't think, I can make this throw. I can just force it in here. This will save us. This is fine. And Mertz is, I mean, he's remarkably talented, but... He he needs. I think he's got to do more to play within the structure of that offense. I think the biggest thing that we've seen over the course of what a decade and a half of Wisconsin football is the goal. And this is the way that I've always talked about him up until really up until this this weekend. They don't ever. You have to beat them. They don't lose games. And now they can lose games. They can lose games because you've got a risk taker, and they're not equipped to handle that risk taking. Like, they're not going to, what are they, they're going to get into a game like Pat Mahomes got into at Texas Tech, like where they're just like, oh, I guess we're going to throw it 60 times. They're not going to do that. That's not what they're built for. That's not what their defense is built to do. That's not what this team is built to do. And so I think making him, 
making him play within himself is going to be that's I think that's the short-term fix and then helping him understand when and where guys are supposed to come open and when they're not open and recognizing different coverages and what defense is trying to do are going to be the goal uh, but I think this is going to be an interesting game um Michigan Wisconsin um what else in the Big Ten? We have, what else? There's yeah, Indiana, I mean, I just like. Do you, what, what do you do? You think? What do we think of Indiana? Do we think they can give this a game with Penn State? I think early, yeah, but Penn State they've got. I mean, between Jaquan Brisker and the way that Jahan Dotson has come on, I mean, they've got two of the best people to watch in the country. And they're, they're it's so fun. So, I I, I think that. You mentioned the door being open, and it's better when the Michigan teams are good. But to me, my it feels like Penn State should be any and everybody's clear-cut favorite in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for now, for sure. Um, I think especially because, you know, everyone gets nervous about trusting that Michigan's actually turned a corner. Uh, as we were talking yeah. about earlier, we've, we've seen the mirage of, of a September start from them. And then we've seen them get blown out by Ohio State in the game that matters, right? So I, I think – that makes total sense, um, and I, I do think that Penn State should be considered the favorite right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's switch over to a conference that is not the most interesting unless, um, well, maybe it is. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things if you um, mm-hmm. like mess. So let's get over to the ACC because I think it's been a really tough first month of the season for the ACC as a whole. And it's capped off with, on Saturday, Clemson losing to NC State. First of all, shout out to NC State. They never win these types of games. There is there, as to quote Dave Joran, the curse has been lifted. They always have the most painful ways to lose these games. They don't lose. They win this game. Clemson now has two losses. It's still September. We can effectively eliminate them from the college football playoff race. We can effectively eliminate the ACC probably. Um, but now it's like topsy-turvy. You've got Wake Forest and Boston College and NC State as maybe the best teams in the league. I mean, I- I'm just curious what you make of a conference that is near and dear to your heart. I mean, I don't think they're near and dear. I don't care what they do. Um, <laughs> you are in this conference. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I listen. It's football. It's football. I don't care where you play it. I think the the interesting thing for me, um, one, hopefully, folks recognize it that that Carter Finley can get a little uh, rock, can get a little raucous. Like that that place rocks and rolls pretty loudly, and they had it rolling on Saturday. Uh, big win for them. I think Wake Forest is kind of flying very quietly under the radar as an undefeated team. Boston College, I believe, doing some of the same, the same thing. Going to be an interesting matchup with BC and, and Clemson this week. I think that NC State obviously deserves their propers, um, although they did lose to Mississippi State, and that game was bad. That was a bad football game. Um, so I think that, honestly, I think the North Carolina State-Mississippi State game might be even more so than Clemson-Georgia that might be a very defining moment for people. If we get to the end of the year and, you know, it's a one-loss NC State, or we get to the end of the year and it's an undefeated BC, or we get to the end of the year and it's a, you know, whatever. It's like, they're like, oh, yeah, but this team did lose to Mississippi State, and they're not good. So I think that's going to be an interesting going forward element here. Um, And that's on the Atlantic side, on the coastal side. I mean, it's a coastal. It's a it's a it's a team that has that has had every single team go to the a- ACC championship game over the course of the last decade. Like it's that this is what the coastal is every single year. 
I am incredibly proud of Jeff College and this Georgia Tech football team for what they've been able to accomplish. Uh, they redirected after a really bad week one. Had an opportunity, obviously, to be the team that handed Clemson that loss. That didn't, didn't happen for them. But the way that they have massaged the Jordan Yates and Jeffrey Simmons situation has been really interesting to see. And then this three-man front uh, with the, the five and six defensive backs and the way that they mug up and then drop or mug, or mug up and then rush and then mug up and then drop and then drop and then pressure from depth has been really fun to watch. Um, it's very... They don't play... They play man. They play man. They play zone. They play. They really do a lot of everything. They have zone dogs, and the, the fact that they can get to Sam Howe, showing a six-man rush that turns into a three-man rush, which means you've got eight guys in coverage, and now you end up getting a coverage sack instead of the pressure sack because UNC is like, oh, we need to keep a running back in to block all these guys, and now all of a sudden you've got a three or a four-man route is remarkable. I think the same thing with Cincinnati, which is going to be very interesting against Notre Dame. But sticking in the ACC, I think that's interesting. Uh, Virginia Tech is, I don't know what's happening there. Um, beat UNC to start the season. Claw their way back into a game against West Virginia. West Virginia, though, I, you want to talk about a team that's playing good defense. West Virginia, really good defense. I love them. Um, and then... Miami and Virginia are kind of in that next space where they can go either way. Like it's, I feel a lot more confident in Virginia finding ways to, to cobble together wins than I do for a Miami team that feels like they are teetering on the edge of, of and maybe you know falling off. And for Miami, it's going to be about regrouping, coming together as a football team, and realizing like you know what. Who cares about what, what everyone said preseason? At this point, this is who we are, and we've got to fight to finish in this top half to the top two of this division. So wh- what about North Carolina, though? Are they I mean, teetering? Are they already off? Like, are they just who knows what you're going to get this, week in, week out? This was a preseason no, I, top 10 team. And they shouldn't have been, and that's why I'd laugh when we, when we were doing these shows earlier, because they shouldn't have been. <laughs> they, it, it, they are a team that... Cannot stop the run, which is why we saw a lot more Jeffrey Sims than we saw Jordan Yates. Uh, one of the reasons why. And they cannot stop the run. They have poor eye discipline from a linebacker st- standpoint. They are... They're still figuring out how to run the football consistently because the offensive line... And as more teams, as the defense comes in vogue, maybe they'll find ways to figure it out. But that offensive line really struggled against Georgia Tech because... They weren't sure what was happening up front. And so I think they're like York, UNC is going to be a team that's all, that's going to, they're going to stretch the field. They're going to push the ball down the field as often as they can to try to make it seem to, to put stress on you. And this is something I like that they do this. I, I Auburn has been doing this as well. Auburn has been pushing the ball down the field. Not a lot of them are caught, but they're pushing the ball down the field to make you worry about it. And the same thing goes for, obviously, with UNC, with Sam Howe. They're pushing the ball down the field. They're going to throw it over 20 yards, you know, eight, nine, ten times a game. And you're going to have to deal with that. And you're going to have to worry about it because you're not always going to know when it's coming. So this is who they are. They're a team that if you, if you, can, if you can stop them from running the football, you're probably going to beat them. Quick and aside. If you can contain those explosive plays, you're going to beat them. Quick aside is um, this is one of my main concerns with Iowa, that they don't have explosive plays, don't push the – Sure, and that's that's who Iowa is. That's who they've been, and that's why Iowa's a team that they won't lose. But you, but you're going to have to beat them, and I think that that was like even in Wisconsin's first game, their first, that one opening season loss to Penn State. The big thing that stood out to me was Penn State still tried to push the ball vertically. Wisconsin was content with the 13-10 or whatever the game. Or, you know, they were content with that low score. We can live with this. Iowa can live with it as well. And we'll see what happens going down the line. I've been remarkably impressed with Arkansas's ability to generate explosive plays. Um, that's something that I wasn't expecting coming into the season. I thought they'd be good, even better. I thought they'd be better. I thought they'd be good. But to not be able to generate those plays down the f- – or to now to be n- able to generate yeah. down the field is, is really, really – that makes them even more fun to watch. K.J. Jefferson's having a great year. Yeah, he's he's incredibly fun to watch. Um, so just to put a ball on the ACC convo, best team in the league right now, Wake? Hey, 
I think Wake has the best record in the league. And them in BC. Oh, man, I like the Garo kid at BC. He's really, really good. He looks like he looks like a like he look he reminds me of this guy. He's faster than a guy uh, faster than Dokun. But we had a guy named Dokun Olagake who played um like hybrid tailback fullback for us. And my freshman year, we we're in camp, and uh, I somehow you, you're doing we do this we did this thing called ram drills where it's linebackers and safeties going up against the, the running backs and the tight ends and somebody I'll never, Dexter Reed like put his hands like like on my shoulder pads and was like hey man get behind me so that I could go against Chad Scott and I was like what's up he's like you don't you don't want to go against Do Kuhn. and that's what Garo reminds me of is a guy that's just like hey man if you play in the secondary and if you play, and a lot of linebackers you're not going to want to tackle this guy you better bring listen you better put your big boy pants on and he runs through arm tackles and he's got a little bit of wheels too so i mean i think you know what mm. wake bc uh, i'm going to take bc screw it did it with a backup quarterback against mizzou let's go i'll go i'll go i'll go with bc all right, we'll, uh, we'll we'll monitor this as we go. Clemson's uh, NC State's got the best win. Yeah, but also but a bad loss. They, yeah, so I'm gonna go. I'll go BC. I'll go BC. All right, I'll probably stick with Wake for now, but I reserve the right to change that. And and this gets us nicely into the next segment. Um, wanted to do stock up, stock down, so we can briefly get across the rest of the country. And figure out who's trending in good directions and who we don't necessarily trust to, to keep this up or is maybe ready to fall off. Um, let's start positive. Let's do teams we'd buy stock in. Um, we'll do three each. So, Felder, give me your first team you buy stock in. Oh, um, Fresno State. Fresno State. I love them. I, uh, I just... If, if we can get a, 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 a healthy um, Taylor Haskins, like I, I'm, we're in business. I, I think this is a team that they should have beat Oregon. They should have beat Oregon, and that is so. I'm like I, I was on pins and needles watching that football game, but I like them. Slow start against UNLV after the big win against UCLA. A little bit of a hangover there, but I think that this is a team. I expect them to win the Mountain West. I think the game at San Diego State is going to be very interesting. Uh, though we'll see what happens with San Diego State with with Greg Bell. So, yeah, I, I Fresno State's my that's my that's my first one. Okay, my first team that I buy stock in is Texas. We don't have to say that they're back, although I feel obligated to use the word back in whatever sentence that I say about Texas. Um, I just I, I really like uh, what they've done since Casey Thompson took over at quarterback. I. Don't know why they felt the need to put 70 points up against Texas Tech in a conference game, but they did, and they just didn't stop, and they've got something going right now, considering what we've seen out of Oklahoma, considering what we've seen out of Iowa State, can make the case that they're the best team, playing the best in the Big 12 right now, maybe? Maybe? Because mm. they scored 70 against Texas Tech? And other people look bad? Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, they just... They, they look like they, they figured some stuff out. I mean, I just... We'll see. I'm I don't, I'm not a believer. Okay. Well, I am. Stock I'm up not, for me. I'm, good. Stock up. Uh, for me, my next stock up. Um, I'm going to... This is easy. I'm taking Arkansas. This is a team that I like coming into the year. Love them even more now. I mean, I'm excited for this weekend against Georgia. I, I, I Arkansas, I there's something truly pure, really beautiful about the way that they play defense. And watching like Hayden Henry like literally have his hands on a crosser's hips and carry him off to another linebacker. I'd love to see that. Seeing Ridgeway push in the middle so that running backs spill and then corners are ma- and safeties are making tackles at the line of scrimmage because they know that the defense works 
from a clogged inside to a bounce to the exterior. They don't make mistakes. And I really, I dig that about them. I, I like simple, mistake-free football. This is the type of film breakdowns that you do. Only you, yeah. Felder, over at Stadium. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think Arkansas is a great pick. Um, I think that they have already probably proven that. And, and one thing that I just wanted to add that I loved from Sam Pittman this week was he went full Ted Lasso and was talking about how the only way to really push people and reach their full potential is out of them wanting to and like being basically being loved on, being supported and not out of fear. And I just thought that that was a really great message. And I, I always, I just love how that hire, which wasn't sexy at the time, people, you know, but it was good. It was, it was good. And how it it really speaks to making such a difference um, with people. And when people talk about fit, like this is what they mean about real fit. Um, My second team that I'm buying stock in is BYU. And I don't know if everyone is staying up late to watch this BYU team Um, or if people thought there'd be a drop off after Zach Wilson left. But I'm looking at their schedule and I'm trying to figure out when they're going to lose. And it might be a while. It might be a while. I mean, I think Baylor's going to be interesting in the middle of October. I think Boise State, uh, Boise's going to, Boise State's going to be an interesting ball game because I still am trying to get take the pulse, take the temperature really of that football team. They sometimes they look good, sometimes they look bad. Their defense is stout. Then oh my god, we're giving up points. So I don't know. Like I'm, it's going to BYU. I like BYU. I think that they are interesting to watch. I didn't realize until. What a couple weeks ago that there was another Romney on the two Romneys, and yeah, I, and their names are so Romney too. Baylor Romney and Gunner and Gunner Romney. Yeah, did not. I was like, what? Who? I was like, oh my, because I was like, especially when you look at the because Gunner wears number ten, if I'm not mistaken. Gunner wears number ten. Excuse me, eighteen. He wears eighteen. I knew. I was like, I knew it's two things that look. He's 18. Baylor is 16. 16 and 18, when you're watching on television, look the same. Unless they're doing an ISO shot. And I was like, what's he doing? He can play. He's throwing the ball now? And I was like, what is happening? And then I was like, I had to go to the roster. Oh, they're, the numbers do look like when your jersey gets a little scrunched up, a 16 looks like an 18. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is this is bananas. But, no, it's I, I like them. I think they're good. I'm really – Obviously, I think um, I want them to get the ball to my guy, Puka Nakua, a little bit more. Get him the football more. I think he is – I think I think Romney is probably – and obviously, Neil Pau is really good. He's their go-to receiver. I think Puka Nakua is like a – I think he's the best talent that they have at receiver. They just got to figure out a way to marry what he can do with how they can push the ball down the field. But I'm, I'm a little biased. Covered him in high school. Watched him in recruiting. Want him to do well. That's all. All right. Who's your third team you buy stock in? Um, this was a rough one. I was thinking about going with Michigan State. My wife would be happy about that because she went to Michigan State. I thought about Oregon State. And especially after the way that they trounced USC. Um, I'm going to go with Baylor. Because... You talk, uh, Baylor went out against a stout Iowa State team, handled business in their first real actual football game of the year. And so I'm going to go with Baylor. I think that they have a cast of characters that they like, and I like that they've kind of just lived under the radar because we know that they're going to play a couple games early that nobody's going to pay attention to, and then obviously that you throw in the Kansas game and then now they big what happened and Iowa State it didn't get to didn't punch them in the face and scare them or they didn't they weren't over prepared or I mean they weren't they weren't under prepared or they weren't overmatched in that football game so I'm gonna go with stock I'm gonna go I'm gonna buy some in Baylor how about you oh I, I like that I like that pick um and I think that you know people they, they had such a rough year with with COVID last year too that it was yeah. it was really hard to get in a rhythm so this is basically basically year one um, my team that I'm going with as my third team I'll ride with is Army I mean I, I always love when Army or any of the service academies are good because I love watching someone who knows what they're going to do your opponent knows what you're going to do and they're just going to do it better than you 
Um, and I, I think that one of the most interesting matchups of the whole season was, in terms of style, uh, was the Western Kentucky Army game, just the different ways right. that, that those teams move the ball. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I like watching this team. They have been rolling. They've had no real issues. Only issue is they've actually thrown the ball a little bit more than I was expecting, which is always a little disappointing. But they've got Wisconsin in two weeks, uh, three weeks. Times. I know, that, they throw the ball high. 18 that, That's times. a lot for them. That's a lot. 18 times. <laughs> but yeah, they've got Wisconsin in a few weeks. They've got, um, they've got Wake Forest. Like, this is gonna, this is gonna be a team that might have a say about how, uh, how we feel about some of these other teams we've been talking about. So, oh, for sure. I, I buy them. I always, I, Jeff Munkin's, you know, one of my favorite coaches. So I, uh, am a fan. Am a fan. Let's do three teams that we'd sell. Who are we abandoning ship? Man. Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I, I just, I think that what we saw last Saturday versus Rutgers is who they are. And you can't be that and beat the, again, the four teams that we talked about, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State and Ohio State. If you can't beat, if you if you can't win, if you can't go three and one in those, you think they're going to go three and one in these football games? Don't put words in my mouth. I don't know. I'm at, no, that's a question. Uh, they would probably have to. Yeah. No, they have to. But do you think that how? If you I don't had, know, don't I don't know yet. <laughs> don't make me decide this in September. <laughs> Give me a few more weeks. <laughs> so I just if I I don't think they're going to go three and one in those games. So I'm gonna sell them. Okay. okay, what do you got? All right, I'm selling, I'm selling Notre Dame. Uh, this is a team that I have not put in my top 10 that I've been doing mm-hmm. on Saturday nights because, I mean, it's a team that should have lost to Florida State, should have lost to Toledo. And the Wisconsin-Notre Dame matchup, you, you were talking about this earlier, right, that it, it, you know, the score was misleading because of the Graham Mertz interceptions. But also I just felt like coming out of it, some, we were going to overreact to the winner of this game because I don't think either of these teams is, is all that great this year. And, you know, they've got Cincinnati this week. So we'll see. I'm actually I'm going to be covering this game. I'm going to be in South Bend for this one. And I think, uh-huh. I think it's going to be great. I think it might be one of the best games of the weekend. And I guess we'll learn. But I'm just, you know, if we see the Notre Dame team that I think we might um, – you know, I just want to say, we're selling. We're we're out. I mean, I I just don't think that. You know, you've got a obviously you've got you know the Kyle Hamiltons. You've got a couple of very elite elite players. Oh, yeah. But as a team, as an offense, as a unit, like I just, I don't think this is a great team. Yeah, I think they've got some offensive line issues. I I think that like three rushing yards against Wisconsin, three. And I, obviously, you're, when your total yards are 242, and I know that there's sacks baked into that and what have you, I, I think that that really speaks to, oh, we didn't we didn't blow their doors off. They helped. They really helped us out a lot, and it's fantastic. And again, not all turnovers are created equal. So I'll get to my what am I? At? This is number two. Ah, I'm gonna go with A and M because. I feel like they're a team that is there. And I, I, you know what? I'm going to give it the caveat of we'll see what happens whenever Haynes King comes back. I might, I'm, 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 I'm giving myself a, an on ramp somewhere in the down on the highway where I can get back on with him if he comes back in in in, in time in time enough for it to be an actual you know fix for this football team. They're super limited, obviously, with their backup quarterback Calzada. The game, I this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Our back, I think they're wasting this defense, and I hate to see it. I hate to see it with Clemson. I hate to see it um, with Wisconsin. I hate to see it with Texas A and M. So that's I'm, I'm I. This is something I think every guy that's ever played defense will tell you. There is a time when you look to the other part of your football team knowing that you've played well enough to win and they just aren't doing anything and you're like we've helped you in every way that we can we've gotten turnovers 
We've gotten three and outs. We've put the ball back in your hands as often as possible. Can you do anything? Please. So it's a sell. I love watching them play defense is great. DeMarvin Lill's amazing. Uh, Leon O'Neal, like they, they've got guys. They have dudes. And um, what's the other kid's name? Uh, the Number one, Hansford. They have guys. I, I'm, I'm, I'm mad for them. They can't say they're mad. I'm mad for them. I'm mad for them. There we go. I'm mad for them. That's why I'm going to sell. I'm mad for their this defense. Yes, I can. I can sense the disdain. It's like Peyton Manning watching bad clock management. It's it's just dripping off you. Yeah. Um, my so my second team that I would sell is Oklahoma. Um, probably not super controversial after. What we just saw with West Virginia, um, I, I think probably, you know, obviously there's been a lot of attention on Rattler. I have no, I, have, I can't remember. I'm sure it's happened, but I can't remember a home crowd chanting for the backup quarterback. That was like, gross. That was so gross. I, I, I It was astonishing. Um, so, so and, and I don't think you can put this all on Rattler. Um, you know, we could talk about the O-line and stuff. But I think the fact that they can't run the ball is also a problem. Um, and also shocking. Uh, so, like, they've got talented backs. Um, but, yeah, they, they just got a lot of problems. And it's just, you know, it's 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 not going to go well the rest of the season. These aren't things that are necessarily going to get fixed. Um, and I just feel you, – you feel the crunch at places like Ohio State and Clemson and Oklahoma now. Like, the, the types of questions you're getting. I mean, like, Clemson, everyone's like, you know, what's wrong with Tony Elliott and how he's – calling the game and now he's coaching quarterbacks and and you know now it's like okay well you know why did we just assume that Spencer Rattler was good because it was Lincoln Riley what's he doing with him like all these things that we just weren't prepared to analyze um but yeah the the offense is just it's it's not working I don't I don't remember the last time we've seen you know this type of team struggle to move the ball like this so yeah it's it's really it's a rough watch it's a it's a it's a rough watch like they're their defense is better. So all the Oklahoma fans that listen, defense is better. They are hold. They are. I don't think they holding. wanted to trade off the offense though <laughs> to get that balance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> defense is better. We're seeing Perry and Winfrey. He's out there. He's making some plays. We're watching. Uh, we're watching guys fly around. Asamoah flying around. But woo, the offense is not better. All right, and Oklahoma me- fans did. They, Oklahoma fans did say they're more concerned about the offense, and so we'll see what happens. Um, hi, another one to sell. That one, the, this last one was kind of rough for me, just because I wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go. I'm very concerned about San Diego State with the Greg Bell injury, but they seem to bounce back in the second half. So that was interesting. Um, I don't know what's happening at Minnesota. We've already talked about them. I think that we have a team that we haven't talked about that I, you know what, I'm going to, we can, I think that we can hop off of is uh, probably UCF. Uh, specifically, and again, we talked about, I mentioned the, the Bell injury at SDSU. I mentioned the Haynes King injury at, at A&M. But Dylan Gabriel is down. And... I don't know how they're going to recover because he did a lot for that football team. And whether it's Mikey Keene or Ryan O'Keefe, like I don't know that those guys are going to bring what he brought to the table. So they've already had an up-and-down season, especially by their you know current standards. Uh, not being able to close the door on Boise State, although they dominated for the most part in that football game. The, the, last, the last play lost to Louisville. Like, I, I think that this is a team, they're going to continue to have an up-and-down season. They still have Cincinnati, Memphis, SMU on the schedule. So, I'm going to I'm gonna go with UCF as a sell for me. Mine is Auburn, which... Interesting. I thought about them. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, first of all, the, you know, the, um, you know, Brian Harson said that the quarterback, starting quarterback spot is TBD after TJ Finley played. And he played well. Um, but th- just to have to need a fourth down play like that, with you know avoiding two sacks, throwing it in the end zone, it was it was alarming. And and I think that the talent on this team, I was pretty excited. I, I did their off season state of the program. Like I thought there was a lot here, and to have Bo Nix get benched 
against a team like that. I, I, it was just it was it's just been jarring. So uh, I don't know what's going on, but I know that when you are potentially, you know, benching a multi-year starter, potentially making a change for the rest of the season, things are not good. So I am jumping shit. Top twenty defense. They're gonna waste them. They're gonna waste them. All right, let's do our last call for anyone who's new to the show. This is our segment where we rant or rave or do something we would cheers to at two in the morning as the bar is closing. And Felder, I will I feel like yours is gonna be great, so I'm gonna let you close the show out. Mine okay. is about the news of the last week or so, college football playoff expansion getting derailed. And we knew this was coming. We knew things were going to, people were going to push to slow this down. But it cannot be said enough. These people, part of the CFP, who proposed the 12 team playoff, unveiled it, got everyone really excited about it in June before we knew how soon we could get it. And, you know, that it would have all the support that it needed. And again, everyone, everyone wants to expand, but there are details that people want to work out. And now it's possible that we're going to have to wait five years to have more than four teams make the playoff. Sure. And that's a debacle to unveil something and then have it. I mean, I, and they didn't know about expansion, you know, that, that the SEC would add Oklahoma and Texas. I get it. But. What a mess. This is just not how anyone wanted this to work out. And I think that the fan expectations and the fans simmering frustration over the fallout of this is going to be felt pretty, pretty strongly. And so I, just the whole the whole process has, has not been great. It's been derailed. There's a lot of trust issues. People have competing interests. There's TV money at stake. All of these different reasons. Um, but I'm just ranting about it. The, the whole thing since... Since June, and you know, I'm 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 gonna head out after we record this to to cover another CFP meeting that they decided the presidents would not attend in person because they're not there, they're not ready for a vote. All of this is just not going according to plan, and it's what's ultimately best for the sport is to have an expanded playoff. And I would be fine with it coming in five years, but I just think the process that led us to this point where we got our hopes up and then dashed is really frustrating yeah i'm sure if i for pe- I, I for people that wanted it it definitely seems like it's frustrating <laughs> i i'm in my box <laughs> and in my box the big thing for my last call is going to be targeting and specifically the weaponization of targeting is what i'm talking about it is becoming the new defensive pass interference where a quarterback can make a bad throw and then be bailed out because his wide receiver slows down on that bad throw into a defensive back that's running. It's, it's, this is becoming a, a weapon for offenses to use to not only pick up a free first down, but also to be excited to get players taken out of the game. And that's the part that really is frustrating to me. I was watching Arizona this weekend uh, Arizona against Oregon this weekend and watching Stanley Berryhill run down the left sideline and Oregon defend, defender comes in to make a tackle, an angle tackle. He's got, he's got trying to get his head. He's trying to get his head across the body and which is a big thing that you're taught. Get your head across the body so that you, they don't, they have to run through your whole body instead of running through just your shoulder. And he's down to get his head across Berryhill's midsection and Berryhill actively ducks his head down, creating that helmet-to-helmet collision, and then gets up, gets up asking for the flag. When the flag comes, cheers for the flag, basically taunts the Oregon defender. Whole sidelines are like, yeah, yeah, you're out of here, you're out of here, you're out of here. And that's not what this is supposed to be. That's not what it's supposed to be. That's not what it's supposed to be about. That's not how it's supposed to work. And if the goal is to protect, because this is what they tell us all the time. You watch it on TV. And you watch it, the goal is to protect the defender and the offensive player. The goal is to, to stop. The, the, the goal is to protect, because he can hurt himself. He could really hurt himself. Well, Barry Hill could have hurt himself when he ducked his head. And Peyton Thorne in the Michigan State game, when they tried to throw out whatever his name is, Williams from, from Nebraska, when they tried to throw him out of the game, he could have hurt himself too. 
I think that the reality of it is, is this, it's a, if you're going to protect both players and both players should be penalized. This is a rule that they keep telling us is is designed to protect two people, but it only penalizes one. We see running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers duck their heads consistently and they are on, they go unpenalized. They go unscathed and insult to injury, they often end up, when they duck their heads, getting somebody else thrown out of the game. And that's not what this should be about. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And it, quite frankly, it's pissing me off. You are not the only person pissed off about how targeting has been used so far yeah. this season. And that's the problem. It's getting used now. Now it's being yeah. used. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yes. And they got to, I mean... We say this all the time. They got to do something. Could you have tier one, tier two targeting like flagrants in basketball? They got to figure something out because I agree exactly what you're saying is happening. And the push is that people don't want to disincentivize tackling without using the head. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. Have these people seen a human body? Right, but they, but they don't want it. If they they say if the penalty isn't severe enough, it won't change behavior. That's the that's the pushback. You can't make a real tackle without your face and your forehead being involved. That's just the way your body works. I don't know if anybody's ever ran, but when you run, you have a forward body lean. When you have a forward body lean, your face is the first thing. Now I want to see people tackle face first, forehead first. That's what I want to see. You put your forehead into somebody's breastplate and then you get that six-inch rising blow. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't like to see guys parallel to the ground, but I also recognize whether you're tackling a tight end or you're trying to chop somebody up on the sidelines, you got to get way lower. And to see, we've seen it multiple times, guys literally 18, 24 inches off the ground trying to chop up some knees, and what happens? The, The running back. The receiver, they get their head just as low, and now all of a sudden that guy's getting thrown out, and that guy gets rewarded. So it's just frustrating to me. That's all. Let's let's okay. That's okay. I yep. know we got something to go ahead. <laughs> we'll wrap last call there. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of Power Hour. If you are not already an athletic subscriber, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole for a very special deal on an annual subscription. One True Pod will be on this feed later this week with Max Olson, Jason Kersey, and Sam Kahn, Andy Staples, Ari Wasserman. They'll be on the feed later this week. And Michael Felder and I will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.